Everybody here in the sanctuary, I'm Julie, and this is Kent, and we're the Utterbacks. Okay. And we'd just like to welcome all of you in the patio. It's a little cold out there, but I'm so glad you're here. Those of you online as well. Anyone new in here, please feel like um, we want to get to know you, and you know, just don't come in and out. I did that for a long time, and I didn't get to know a lot of people, so... Please uh, reach out to somebody. We have a Connection Central, two um, counters in the back, and also one on the patio. So come by and say hi. We're going to be out there after this service. Speaking of connections, uh, I was one of those that was half in and half out, kind of overanalyzing it, wondering if I should get involved, do something, serve. And uh, Julie and I prayed about it and prayed about it. Finally, God answered our prayers, and I signed up uh, with the pantry, and uh, yeah. love that job. Um, <laughs> it's such a blessing, and I, I, I push a grocery cart of groceries to each car for every family that comes, and I'll tell you, I have been blessed so many times talking and interacting with these folks and families that come through. So I would encourage you, if you're, if you're like I was, half in and half out, Jump in. The water's warm. So <laughs> And we and we want to and we want you to be connected. This is a big body of Christ and we all need you. We all have gifts and talents. So if you're kind of wondering which to do, we have lots of things, lots of activities to get involved here. Um, also uh, lots of ways to get connected. Speaking of connected, men, there's a barbecue tonight at four o'clock. So please, please. Uh, come and enjoy some great food. Always it's a good way to come. connect with uh, other men in the congregation and uh, just gather as men. So with that. Uh, oh, why don't, uh, before we stand up for worship, why don't you get up and then uh, ask yeah. somebody next to you if they're going to attend the men's uh, barbecue today or what barbecue uh, food would you like and what do you like to cook?
I want to just make mention of these beautiful altars that are here in the front that were built. And um, these places are just designated as spaces for you to come at any point during worship from here on out, not only today, but next Sunday and next Sunday and next Sunday, for you to just meet with the Lord. And there's nothing special per se about this physical object, but it's the act of coming up here and kneeling before the Lord in a posture of surrender. It is an offering to the Lord that we bring to say, Lord, here I am, I bring all of me. And so if you feel the Holy Spirit stirring in your heart, I would encourage you to come up to this space as a physical act of worship and just be before the Lord. And I also just wanna say, hey, we're family here. Like if you're wrestling with man, what are people gonna think if I come and stand up here? Are they gonna think my life is just really messed up? Or maybe it's fear of man. I just wanna dispel all of that. Your dependency on the Lord is beautiful. That is an offering to the Lord and it's beautiful and it's something that we should be celebrating in one another when we come up and we kneel before the Lord. So I wanna pray and we're just gonna ask the Lord to come. Open your heart. And if, if you're not feeling hungry this morning, maybe ask the Lord to stir something fresh in you, to stir hunger in you. And we're just gonna wait on him and we're gonna see what he wants to do this morning, amen? So let's do that. Will you pray with me? Holy Spirit, we love you and we know God that you are always with us, but Holy Spirit, we just say we invite you. Would you come fall in this space? Would you stir our hearts? Would you come as you want to, Lord? We are here reviewing ourselves as an offering to you. We lift our voices as we adore you this morning, God. We love you. We bless you. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.
song this morning. There's a line in the chorus that sings, you reign above it all over the universe and over every heart. And I was just so struck. You know, sometimes it's easy for us to pray, like, God, you reign over the earth. You reign over these big situations. But when it comes to the issues of our own hearts and minds, to be able to say, God, you reign in this area of my life. And I just felt so pressed this morning to just pray for those of us who might be experiencing maybe some battles in our minds and battles in our hearts, those emotional things. Maybe it's anxiety, maybe it's heaviness, whatever it is. And I just wanna encourage you this morning that Jesus even reigns above that. And I can speak from personal experience. There was a time in my life where I had such extreme anxiety that I, I would sit up out of bed and I would try to catch my breath and it would happen at, at different points in my day. And I just said, Jesus, we're gonna walk through this together. And it took a while, but I remember the first day I woke up, my heart wasn't racing out of my chest. And I said, God, you reign above it all. You took it. Hallelujah. And so if that's you this morning, I just, I just felt pressed to pray this morning. I'm not gonna have you raise your hand or anything like that. Even you can just even put your hand on your heart. And maybe even there's somebody around you that's, that's battling mentally um, or emotionally, whatever it is. I just wanna pray into that this morning. So Holy Spirit, you reign above it all. You reign above the battles of our mind. You reign above anxiety. You reign above depression. You reign above suicide. You reign above all of these things that attack our minds and burden our hearts, Lord. And this morning, I just wanna pray freedom. I wanna pray healing, Lord Jesus. I wanna pray for courage to keep coming into your presence, to keep pressing in. I pray for transformation. I pray for hope, where hope might be hard to be felt. I pray for faith. I pray for your peace. I pray for anticipation of how you will move. Let heaven come. Let heaven come not only to the earth around us, but to our hearts and to our minds, Lord. It's in Jesus' name, amen. Well, as we um, sing this next song, it might be a new song for some of you. Um, and you might have heard it, it's been a heart song for me, meaning it's just a, a song that I, I adore. But it's basically the Lord's Prayer, parts of the Lord's Prayer set to song. And um, it's not the whole Lord's Prayer, but parts of it. And so we're gonna sing it this morning. And um, if you don't know it, I, I know that most of you know the Lord's Prayer. <laughs> and just to think upon the lyrics, to so just pray it in your heart um, as we sing it. Um, it's called Our Father. And so we're just gonna ask heaven to come to earth and to pray the things that are on the Father's heart this morning.
God, let heaven come to our hearts and minds, to this space, to our state, to our nation, to our world. God, let heaven come. God, as we continue this morning, would you speak to our hearts and minds? Would you awaken something in us? Let us be aware of how you're moving, how you're speaking in this space. God, we love you so much. We bless you. It's in Jesus' name we pray. You can have a seat. I'd like to invite the ushers forward to receive our offering today. If this is your first time here, um, don't feel any obligation to participate. You're obviously more than welcome to participate. It truly is a blessing to be a part of what God is doing um, in and through New Life, um, specifically in this way. And in fact, um, I have a bit of an update for you. We um, a couple months ago, the Lord led us to be able to um, give significantly financially to a project in India where we were um, helping to install solar panels that would help panel um, schools and in places where there's a lot of unreached people. And so we have a little picture of it, um, that banner, if you can't, probably can't read it, but it says, thank you, New Life. And um, and so this is just the, the progress that's being made. So God is truly at work, um, not just here on the Central Coast, but around the world. Um, and so would you just continue to keep that ministry in your prayers? We want to keep that in front of you to remember the, about this partnership that we have and the way that God is moving um, in uh, not just here, but also in India um, through New Life. So it's just super exciting to be a part of that. And whether it is stepping out in faith financially or whether it's stepping out in faith in another way, we truly just want you to take your next best step to grow your faith, to maybe trust the Lord in a new, in a new and exciting way. And throughout this season of Lent, we're going to, we're pushing you to take a little bit deeper into your relationship with God. And we're expecting that at the end of Lent, there's going to be a giant celebration about the way that God has moved as we've pressed in, as we've realigned our hearts with him. And so on Palm Sunday, Sunday, we have what we call here at New Life Celebration Sunday. And so that is where we have um, not just baptisms, but we have child dedications and we celebrate new membership. We're hoping that we can also just share some testimonies of the ways that God has moved throughout the series of Lent. We would love for you to share your story with us so we could share that with other people and encourage them in their faith to see how God is moving. And baptism is one that is just like, it is such a special part of, of my heart and my life. You know, as I think back a couple of weeks ago, or I guess it was probably months ago now, but we had baptisms here, and there was this group of, of girls that were in junior high and high school, and they all got baptized together, and I, like, was weeping in that moment because that was exactly like my life. Like, I got baptized with three of my other girlfriends when I was in eighth grade, and I look back at that point in my life, and that is just, like, such a pivotal pivotal turning point in my life of like, I was going this way, I got baptized, and now I'm going this way, and it was the truly the moment of my life where I surrendered it to the Lord and said, you know, Lord, I'm all yours. And so if you have a little bit of that nudge that you might want to get baptized, we would love to talk to you about that. Um, start praying about it now. So it's in a few weeks. Um, we are just so excited to see what the Lord does as we just honor him, as we press into him and we deepen our faith. And one of the other ways that you can do that is where we, we're in the 40 days of prayer. So we started it on Wednesday, on Ash Wednesday. And so we're going to be going through 40 days of prayer. And there's a few tools to help you um, press into prayer this season. We have a prayer journal. We also have 
have the second volume of that available today. So if you got the first one, you can grab the second one today so you can be ahead of the game, ready for when that comes. Also, you, we're sending out daily text messages at noon. Um, we would love for you to get on that text so that every day we could pray in unity in the spirit of what God has, has put on our hearts to pray. And also on Mondays, we're gathering right here at 6 p.m. for a time of worship and prayer. And we're also challenging you to fast. So I'm going to do it tomorrow. We'll see how this goes. But um, fast from sunup to sundown and then come here hungry, um, both physically and spiritually, to worship and to meet with the Lord. So tomorrow at 6 o'clock, we'd love to see you here. And as in the 40 days of prayer, we are using the Lord's Prayer, like we just sang, kind of as our guide, as a template, because that's how Jesus taught us to pray. And so even each week, we're going to be reading the, the Lord's Prayer over you. So today, I'd like to invite my friend Julie to read it for us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Our, he, sorry. I knew I was going to get up here, and then it was all going to go out the window. Here we go, Lord's Prayer. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, the power, and the glory forever and ever. Amen. 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 For some of us, we learned that prayer growing up as young children. For some, it's a prayer that we've heard other people pray. Uh, for some, it's a prayer that you're hearing maybe for the very first time. And so over the next couple of weeks, we're going to be breaking down this particular prayer. And if you have your Bibles this morning, I want you to open them up to the book of Luke. Luke chapter 11 is where we find one of the times where Jesus teaches this particular prayer. You also find this in Matthew chapter 6. So Luke chapter 11 and then also Matthew chapter 6, you would find Jesus teaching this particular prayer. And it's going to be really easy again for if you've grown up in church for you to say, hey, no, I've heard this. But, but my prayer is, just like many times when we come to the word, um, that the Holy Spirit would open up our eyes and give us fresh eyes and a fresh lens in order to be able to dive in and to, to hear, him with, uh, hear him with fresh ears and see him with fresh eyes so that he might impact our hearts in new and fresh ways. That is our heartbeat. We don't come to the word. In fact, one of the lines that we will be reading, um, give us this day our daily bread, right? Yes, there is a physical element to that proclamation or that prayer, but there's also a spiritual element to that proclamation or prayer. The food, the spiritual food that God gave you for yesterday, guess what? It was for yesterday. He has new spiritual food for you today which requires us to enter into relationship, requires us to um, come to our heavenly father once again. So again, in Luke chapter 11, verses one through four, I invite you to hear these words. Once Jesus was in a certain place praying, as he finished, one of his disciples came to him and said, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And Jesus said, this is how you should pray. Father, 
May your name be kept holy. May your kingdom come soon. Give us each day the food we need and forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. And don't let us yield to temptation. Now again, I use Luke chapter 11 specifically for this series because some of us are actually more familiar with the Matthew chapter six wording of this particular passage And and so sometimes to hear things in fresh ways, we have to hear the words a little bit different. And so I wanna begin here. Lord, teach us to pray. It's a position of humility. See, some of you, when, when we hear this language of prayer or we hear this understanding of prayer, we go, all right, I, I know how to do that, Pastor. I, I've been doing that for years. Other of us, um, maybe this is new for us, but, but wherever you find yourself on the spectrum of having conversation with God, communion, uh, c- communing with God, wherever you find yourself, this humble proclamation, Lord, teach me to pray. Lord, teach me how to do this. Lord, teach me what you mean by communion with you. Teach me what you mean by conversation with you. It's a position of humility. The disciples actually knew how to pray. I mean, they knew how to pray as it related to their upbringing as Jewish boys. Uh, They understood, in fact, in many ways, they knew how to pray way more than you or I know how to pray because at a very young age, they had the entirety of the Torah absolutely memorized. And so if they were looking for language of how to pray, they were able to do that really well. As those who would follow Jesus, they would not only have the Torah memorized, but quite honestly, they would have the entirety of the Old Testament memorized, which means that they would have the Psalms memorized. So if they were looking for words to use to pray, they knew exactly how to pray in the Jewish tradition. They knew how to encounter God. They, they understood what it meant to pray to God. They understood what it meant to lament. We'll talk about that in a, in a little bit. They, met, they knew what it meant to uh, pray with thanksgiving or praise or to b- begin their day with prayer and to end their day with prayer. They understood all of that. So why in the world are they looking at their rabbi and saying, Lord, teach us to pray? Because they saw something in Jesus and the way that he interacted with his heavenly father that they did not have. And I would suggest that many of us understand the words of prayer. We understand how to ask or petition for things. We understand how to intercede for things. But one of the things that we have missed is the intimacy with the Father. And what blew the disciples' mind and what should blow our minds this morning is this idea that the God of the universe, the one who has created everything, who reigns above it all, says, come to me and call me Father. Come to me in an intimate way. Come to me and have conversation with me. Come to me and enter into my presence. There is evidence in Jesus Jesus and the way that he would pray of intimacy with God. And so there was a humbleness amongst the disciples and a hunger among the disciples for intimacy with God in the same way. And let me suggest, whether you have it currently or whether it's something that you are praying, God, would you do this in me, that you would pray for a humbleness during this series that says, Lord, would you teach me how to pray to you in deeper and richer ways? 
and that there would be a hunger and a thirst for intimacy with God. Have you ever had a mentor or somebody who introduced you to something that you would have never experienced had they not taken you to somewhere that you didn't realize you needed to go? Let me say that a little bit more clearly. As leaders, as mentors, we often take people to places they wouldn't normally go on their own. And so when the disciples are saying to Jesus, teach us to pray, what they are saying is, Jesus, would you take us to somewhere that we can't get to on our own? Would you take us into an inner chamber with the Lord and intimacy with the Father? Would you take us into his presence like what we see you entering into your presence? We don't know how to get there. Would you teach us, would you take us into his presence in a way that we don't fully understand how to get there? Now, I get it. There, there's a variety of different experiences with prayer. For some of us, we come into God's presence, and we've been praying since we first came into relationship with God through Jesus, and, and so prayer becomes really easy for us. It's conversational. It's, we do it not just once a day, but we just have a flow of conversation, of continuous conversation with the Lord, and so we Praise God for that, but I would say, hey, what during this series, maybe God wants you to go to an even deeper level. If you've ever read the, um, the, the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, there's a little character in the Chronicles of Nar Narnia called Reepicheep. It's a little mouse. And there's a phrase within that, that, um, that, that particular portion of, uh, of that series where Reepicheep says this, I wanna go further up and further in. May that be our prayer during this series. God, would you allow me to go further up and further in? Would you allow me to go further up and further in in my relationship with you? Would you allow me to plumb the depths of who you are and who you have called me to be? Some of us are intimidated by prayer. Let's just get this out of the way. I don't care if you're intimidated by prayer or if you're not intimidated by prayer. I want you to turn to somebody next to you and say, I'm intimidated by prayer. Because at some level, at some level, most of us have found a time in our life where we have been intimidated by prayer. We didn't know what to say. Like you've been in the circle where you're holding hands and you're realizing everybody in that circle is praying. So I now have to pray and you're not quite sure what to say. Right, like, like you've been there. And so prayer can be intimidating at times. And so the reason we avoid it is because we are intimidated by it. We have this sometimes a fear of prayer. Sometimes we are frustrated by prayer because we prayed for things and they weren't answered. Which sometimes even leads to us being skeptical about prayer. Hey, I interceded for this, I prayed for this, and it didn't happen. What if, what if maybe, maybe we got caught up in this idea that prayer was about the outcomes of prayer rather than the presence of the Lord? What if we got this mixed up and we thought this whole time that prayer was about the outcomes and God is saying, no, it's not about the outcomes, it's about spending time in my presence. There will be outcomes at times and there will be silence at times. There will be yeses, there will be noes, there will be waiting. You've all heard that message. But it's about the presence 
of the Lord. And what makes this difficult is that so often when it comes to prayer, we talk about our highlight reels, right? That's what people like to talk about. They like, hey, you know what? I prayed for this, my, my child who was a prodigal, and guess what? They came home. I prayed for this individual who had cancer, and guess what? They went back to the, the, to the doctor, and the cancer was gone. We pray into these things. We talk about the highlight reels, but we don't talk about the frustration, and we don't talk about being skeptical, and we don't talk about sometimes about the difficulty of having conversation. And yet we know conversation with anybody can be difficult. Conversation, difficult conversations with friends can be difficult. Difficult conversations with your spouse can be difficult. In fact, that one of the number one things that people go to for marriage counseling is what? Communication. So why would we think that communication with the God of the universe wouldn't at times be difficult and that we might not have all the tools in our tool belt to know how to actually do this. And then you have, then you have someone like me who I am way more comfortable doing stuff for God than being with God. I'm just gonna confess to you right now. I would much rather God give me marching instructions and go live that out then be with God. You're like, Pastor, you don't like to be with God? No. You're like, okay, where's this going? <laughs> no, I, I don't because when I'm with God, it conjures up all kinds of my own inadequacies and fear. And as someone who would much rather do things, much rather see the successes line up, much rather be able to point to the things I've been a part of, to someone who's wired towards giving me a trophy at the end of the day, sometimes prayer doesn't result in anything other than you just did it. That you spent time in God's presence. There is no outcome. There is no like, you know, Woo, that was an amazing time with God. No, sometimes you just prayed and you just spent time in God's presence. And so there's a fear of prayer. And one of the fears for me, and maybe it is for some of you, is afraid of being alone with God. Because when you're alone with God, you have to face a little bit of who you are. You've got to face those inadequacies. You've got to face those areas that God's still working on. You've got to face the fact that you're with a God who knows you. Like, I know your friends know you, and I know your spouse knows you, and for some of you, your pastor knows you, and your accountability partners know you, but let's be really honest. There are always these little nooks and crannies of our lives that nobody knows about except for us, and when we step into a time of prayer, and we're not filling it up with conversation, but we're actually listening and waiting upon the Lord, all of a sudden, he begins to reveal those areas to us and we gotta deal with them. I don't like that. It's uncomfortable. I don't like those spaces. And yet, the beauty of being in those spaces is that I discover the richness and wonder and awe of God's love for me in those moments. The Lord loves me. 
even with the dirt and grime that I have. I'm afraid of sometimes my motives in prayer. I'm afraid that I treat God like a genie in the bottle sometimes. Like I'll go to God and I'll be like, all right, Lord, hey, here I am. You got 30 minutes of my day. You got five minutes of my day. You got 60 seconds of my day, whatever, wherever you find yourself. God, I'm giving you this. All right, let's rub the Bible. It's like, it's like this, is my, this is my little genie in the bottle. All right, God, I'm gonna rub the Bible and, and I'm giving you time. Therefore, I mean, not that any of you do that. I'm just telling you about me sometimes. That sometimes when I get alone with the Lord, I'm afraid of my motives. I'm afraid of why I'm actually getting with him, it's why am I going to him? Why am I actually participating in prayer? I'm afraid I'm not gonna be proficient enough. That I'm not gonna have the words, that I'm not gonna know how to pray. If you're afraid that you're not going to be proficient enough, can I give you some really good news today? You're not. You're not. You're entering into the presence of a holy God. You're gonna stumble and bumble. You're gonna stutter and stammer. You're gonna get distracted. If you pray for five minutes, you're probably gonna get distracted 30 times. And we'll be talking about, what do I do with those distractions? How do I turn those distractions into opportunities to pray? and to bring those distractions before the Lord. And rather than feeling guilty about them, they become an avenue into greater intimacy with the Lord. And then some of us are afraid, what if it just doesn't work? What if I pray for healing and healing doesn't come? What if I pray for my prodigal and they never return home? What if, and so we'd rather avoid it because somehow an unanswered prayer seems like it could shatter our faith. And so we're afraid. I want you to write this down in your journal or on your phone. And I want us to take about 60 seconds to do this. If you can't think of what yours is or if it's, it doesn't have to be one of the ones I just kind of listed off, but I want you to write this down and reflect back on it later. What fear most resonates with you? Like which, which one of those fears? Is it the fear of being with God? Because he might actually reveal to you things that, about yourself that you try to keep hidden. Is it a, a fear of your motives? Is it fear that you just don't know how to do it? Of inadequacy, of ignorance, of being not proficient enough in prayer? Is it fear that if I come to God and for some reason what I'm praying for doesn't work that I'm afraid it might shatter my faith? Or maybe it's another fear. But it's important to get honest with ourselves and honest with the Lord. He already knows. So why pray? Why enter into this way of praying? Well, 
one, one reason is alignment with God, alignment with ourselves, and alignment with others. We find ourselves when we're in the presence of God, he more rightly sets our understanding of who he is, which more rightly, under, rightly aligns our understanding of who we are, which more rightly aligns our understanding of who others are. You're like, well, that sounds familiar. Well, it should because love the Lord your God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength and your neighbor as yourself. And so that alignment happens when we are in the presence of God. Why should we pray? Because you're overwhelmed. And you can't do life on your own. And I can't do life on my own. We get overwhelmed. And we want to see God move and strengthen and bring his peace into our lives. Why pray? Because we discover more about who God is, his character and nature. Do you know that trust in God becomes, comes before faith in God? Let me say that again. Have you ever thought about that trust in God comes before faith in God? If you wanna pray really big prayers that require great amounts of faith, then first you need to discover the character and nature of God. My kids don't come to me um, when they need something because they're like, I really just hope dad can do this. No, they come to me because I've built up trust with them. They either trust my wisdom, which sometimes I'm not sure if they should, but they trust my wisdom. They trust my resources or my provision that I can provide food for them, that I can go to the store for them, that I can do these. They trust because they've seen my character and nature. So when they come to me, they're not there. While, while it's a step of faith, it's also faith in my character and faith in my resources and faith in who I am. And so you have to discover who God is before you're going to be able to step out in faith and pray to that God. And that's learned by spending time in his presence and spending time in his word and understanding who is God and how he relates to us. What about this? We pray because God can handle you. What, let me say it this way. I'm a hot mess. And God can handle that. Like, I can crawl up in my heavenly father's lap and I can pound his chest and I can throw a temper tantrum like a two-year-old and he can handle it. I can lament, let's use that fancy word, which is the same thing as a temper tantrum, and he can handle it. I can, I can question and bring my doubts before the Lord and my frustrations before the Lord. Guess what? He can handle, I can bring my sin before the Lord and guess what, what makes him sovereign is he's the only one that can do anything about it. I can bring all of David, not just part of David. I can bring all of David before the presence of the Lord and guess what, he can handle all this hot mess. He can deal with it. He can handle it. There are very few relationships, if any, where we sit there and we say, I'm bringing all of me, all of this, all this mess before you, and we think the person can handle it. We usually give people the tip of the iceberg, and we're like, oh, this is all they can handle of me. This is all they can deal with. If they knew what was below the waterline, if they knew what was down here, and yet, 
Again, if you go to a counselor, they, say, they will tell you that part of intimacy and developing intimacy is lowering the water level and revealing more and more of yourself, your authentic self to somebody. And when they don't run away and they meet you right where you're at, you go, that's what real relationship looks like. Guess what? The Lord is trustworthy and he can handle all of you. In fact, write this down. Complaints, welcome. <laughs> if you have complaints about how God's doing his job, you can bring them to him. He can handle it. He can handle your doubts. He can handle your frustrations. He can handle all your complaints about how this world should be run differently. He can handle all that. You, you can pound on his chest. You can scream at the top of your lungs. You can write things in your journal that you don't want anybody else to see. That's okay. In fact, I had a professor of mine one time that said his very first request in his will is that his wife would go and burn his journals because he never wants them to be published because those times with the Lord were so intimate and he was so vulnerable and so raw that he didn't want anybody to see those. That's the type of relationship that you can have with your heavenly father. I love what C.S. Lewis says. Lay before God what's in us, not what ought to be in us. God, this is me. This is all of me. So what do we pray? Can I decompress you a little bit? God is not grading your prayer essay. He's not up there like, that wasn't even a word. Run on sentence. <laughs> that had no flow of thought. I think that's how we think God's up there doing stuff. We're afraid. And we're like, man, the Lord's not gonna listen to me if I don't get all the words right. He's not grading an essay. He's listening to his children. kids come up to me and I can fall into the trap of wanting to correct first versus listen first so what do I project on God that sometimes when I go to him I think he's going to act like me we're going to use this language of intimacy because it's so important to the passages but the, the word of intimacy is father the Hebrew word that's fascinating that even in the Greek, Jesus still uses, the, it's still translated into the Hebrew word, which is Abba, a word of intimacy. The problem with that is for some of us, our relationships with our parents and or specifically our fathers is so damaged and so hurtful that when we hear that language, we project that relationship on God. Can I invite you? to not lose the language of Abba because your earthly father or your earthly parent did not live up to the expectation of what a parent should be. But would you maybe during this series allow God to define your understanding of what Abba means? 
Would you hear that with fresh ears and see that with fresh eyes? I know that can be challenging. But he invites us to hear and see and experiencing him in this intimate way. What to pray? Scripture. If you've never prayed before, go to the Psalms. It'll get interesting. See, most of us are like, I'll, I'll, just, I'll just tell you right here. If you want easy prayer, go 23rd Psalm. Go pray it. Go, just start praying the 23rd Psalm, right? If you, want, if you want a little bit more challenging prayer, go read Psalm 109. Some of you are gonna go look that up now. <laughs> but Psalm 109 is a lament. And it reminds us that God can handle our laments and our prayers and even our misunderstanding of how he should handle things because in Psalm 109, the psalmist is crying out for the destruction of his enemies and the, and the heaping on of hot coals and the cutting off of their descendants. I mean, it's harsh stuff. And we're reminded that God can handle all of that. Prayer is about muscle memory. We learn to pray the scriptures. We learn to pray the Lord's prayer so that when we're in the thick of it, we have this ability to draw on the words that Jesus taught us to pray. And it reminds me of the third area, which is pray about everything or pray continuously. As we go through the Lord's Prayer, I think some of you are thinking the Lord's Prayer is something we pray in service um, or a worship context, or the Lord's Prayer is something I pray in the morning for 15 or 20 minutes, and that's it. Well, let me suggest to you that the Lord's Prayer is something that is rooted deep in our soul. And as we go throughout the day, we find ourselves uttering these words and in this context, begin to see our world through this lens of the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is good enough for the first 15 minutes of the day, but it's also good for the 16th minute and the 30th minute and the, and the you know, third hour of the day and the eighth hour of the day, no matter where you find yourself in the day, because every part of your day can be holy ground. Every part of your day can be, you, you, you encounter a moment where you say, okay, it's time to take off my shoes as Moses did, for this is holy ground. This is a sacred moment. This is a moment where I can either, as we talked about last series, I either can lean in to the voice of sin in my life or I can lean in to the voice of the spirit in my life. And so Jesus now if you want to flip over to Matthew chapter 6. Matthew chapter 6. We start reading these, these words on how to pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. To know about God versus to know God. Unless I'm wrong, every one of us in this room knows about the landing on the moon. Only a handful of people know about being on the moon. That experience, 
what that is. Some of you know about a really good meal. Some of you have gone to a Michelin restaurant and know of and experienced a really good meal. See, these are different things, and many of us know about prayer and about God, but the invitation to be in his presence and the invitation to discover God is not to know about God, but to know God. And in this knowing God, it's also an opportunity for him to speak intimately into our life, to remind us of who we are and of, our, of how he created us. The world every day is gonna chip away at you. The world every day is gonna chip away at your, at your children. The world every day is gonna chip away at your friends and at your spouse. And the invitation is to gather into an intimate relationship with God, to know God, not just know about him, and for him to speak identity over you. There's enough people who are gonna say you are not worthy. Enough people who, who are gonna remind you that somehow they don't think you're valuable. Enough people that are gonna say, you know what, you fall short. Guess what, I already knew that. Where are you spending time in your father's presence where dad can remind you of who you are? Do you know that's something that I learned as a parent? that my kids were gonna go to school and there were gonna be kids because all kids are trying to grow up and figure out life, but there are gonna be kids who are going to devalue my kids and they are gonna call my kids worthless and they are going to not see uh, the potential in my kids. And in fact, there's even, unfortunately, this isn't you know all teachers, but there are gonna be some teachers that are gonna devalue my kids and they're gonna tell my kids they're not good enough to do something or to be a part of something and any number of things. And when they come into my home, it is my responsibility as a parent to remind them of who they really are, to speak identity and belovedness and care over them. And we think somehow as adults that we're just Teflon. We don't need that anymore. Oh, we need it. And so we spend time in the presence of our heavenly father that he might remind us of who we are. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. This prophetic imagination that you've heard me talk about before, it's so key to our understanding of how we enter into our relationship with God, but also how we see the world. And so this idea that we wouldn't just have a prophetic imagination for 15 minutes at the beginning of every day, that we would have a prophetic imagination as we go throughout the day, that we would see the world differently, that we would see the kingdom of God breaking into the kingdom of earth at work and when we're on the roadways and in the grocery store, that wherever we are, we would say, thy kingdom come, thy be will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Some of you, I, you have heard me say this before, but I think it's one of my favorite ways of understanding this. Uh, my wife and I, we used to watch, the, you know, Chip and Joanne Gaines. We even actually went to Magnolia. Like, you know, we've done that whole thing. Uh, it's so cool to see all the stuff that they've done. But one of the things that fascinates me about their restoration, restoration show is the fact that people will go on that show, and I know it's a little bit of a shtick, but they're like, they look at a house that is just, completely dilapidated and they've got Chip and Joanna Gaines, like the best of the best there. And they're like, oh, they can't do anything about this house. And I'm going, had they not watched the show? <laughs> like, this is like season six. It's not like you don't have evidence. And all of a sudden they take this broken down house and they're like, oh, but it's got good bones. I'm like, yeah, that's about all it's got. 
And they turn that house into something beautiful. We as the church get to have the prophetic imagination because we have spent time in the presence of God. And he has given us a vision for his kingdom. And we get to walk around this world and people get to go, and and people who are far from him or don't know him go, this world is awful. Do you see all the things going on? Do you see all the frustration? And we get to whisper to them, oh, I know, I see it. But this world has good bones. And God's not done with it yet. And let me tell you about what he's doing. And let me tell you about where I see evidence of his kingdom coming and his will being done on earth as it is in heaven. It also reminds me to have a pray first mentality. We believe in medical science here. We, we, you know, this is important. Like we believe God works through doctors and new treatments and all of that. But I have been challenging myself that no matter if it's a medical situation, no matter if it's a relationship situation, no matter if it's just you know, uh, something that feels outside of my control, I am challenging myself and I'm challenging us as a congregation. Would we consider praying first? Amen. Taking that to the Lord. Aligning our hearts to the Lord first. Asking the Lord, God, I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I've got a doctor's appointment later today. Would you give me discernment in that doctor's appointment? Would you give the doctor wisdom in that? Would you go and have this mentality that as the people of God, we would actually pray first? Give us this day our daily bread. Again, I mentioned this earlier. Yes, there's a a conversation that we can have about physical food and provision, but there's also this understanding of spiritual food. And there's this idea that you need to be fed by God. For some of us, we're still in the high chair and we literally need God to spoon feed us, right? And that's how we should, sometimes even now, I'm like, Lord, I am just not feeling it. I need to crawl up in the high chair and I need you to crack open the prunes and I need you to force feed me. And I'm just telling you, God, I'm gonna spit it back out at you because I don't feel like it today. That is part of give us this day our daily bread. But there's also this other image that I have in my mind where I sit down at a fancy restaurant and the Lord prepares a table before me in the presence of my enemies and he lays down a napkin on me. He says, David, I've cooked up a really good a meal for you today and I slice in to that filet mignon and I take a bite and it's smoked just right over the Santa Maria grill and it's seasoned just right with a little bit of Central Coast seasoning. And all of a sudden I'm going, oh, this meal is so good. Taste and see that the Lord is good. He has something for you. And forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. We've been talking about this over the last couple of weeks. Repentance creates space for an infilling of the spirit. Repentance leads to revival. Repentance leads to resurrection. God, forgive me of my debts. Forgive me of my trespasses. And as we understand what God has done in our life, all of a sudden our empathy and ability to forgive others is seen differently. 
Now, I wanna stop here for a second because there's a repetitive nature to the Lord's Prayer that is so key. Can I tell you something? There's a repetitive nature to search my heart, O oh God. And I can tell you this second one for sure. There is a repetitive nature required to forgiving others. See, some of us think that we forgive somebody one time and all of a sudden we never feel those feelings of bitterness again. False. My first prayer of forgiveness for somebody sometimes is, God, help them not to get hit by a bus on the way home. <laughs> that might be the best thing I can utter about the person at that particular point. But God is not done with me yet. He calls me back to him, and the next day I say, oh, for, forgive my debts as I forgive others. And I'm going, ah, this isn't easy, and I have to forgive them again, and I have to forgive them again, and I have to forgive them again. And for some of us, we get to a point where we feel the feelings of forgiveness for that person. But can I tell you, for other relationships, it might be a lifelong journey of constantly bringing that forgiveness before the Lord because the wounds are so deep. But the Lord has freedom in the repetitiveness of forgiveness. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. There is spiritual warfare and a battle that happens when we go to God in prayer. Because the enemy is so destructive. If you go back to Genesis chapter three, there's a phrase that we skip over sometimes in Genesis chapter three where the serpent, who is the enemy, comes to Eve and he begins to twist the words of God and he says these words to Eve when he talks about eating from the tree of knowledge of good and evil. You will not surely die. You will become like God. Can I tell you that we live in a culture where every single day somebody or something is whispering those words to you? Embrace me. Embrace this idea, embrace this relationship, consume this technology, do this. You will not surely die. God is simply afraid you will be like him. And we do it. And slowly, our soul dies. And prayer is a time for us to be reminded that our source of life is not in the things of this world. It's not in the ideologies of this world. It's not in what this world values and says, no, you're not gonna surely die. Make your life all about success. No, you're not surely going to die. Make your life all about yourself. Do what you want. No, you're not surely going to die. Make your life all about, and you fill in the blank, whatever your temptation is. And we go before the Lord and we are reminded, God, if you are not king, if you are not Lord, if my dependency is not upon you, I will surely die. We're like, oh, well, that doesn't feel good. Oh, what a beautiful warning and invitation to not walk the pathway to death, but walk the pathway to eternal life. So would you bow your heads this morning?
And Lord, we are here. And in these coming days, in this season of Lent, we are praying, God, that there would be a shift in us, that we wouldn't be praying to get something from you, that we would be praying because we want to know you in deeper and richer ways. Teach us how to pray as our Lord and Savior, Jesus, prayed. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Would you stand with me this morning? If you're a guy with us this morning, we want to just again invite you back tonight, four o'clock. We have our men's ministry gathering. We're going to be doing some fun stuff and connecting with each other. We just encourage you to do that. If you're new to new life, stop by one of the Connection Centrals. Get to, um, let us get to know you a little bit more. We've got a great coffee mug for you that we'd love to share with you. If you want prayer, we have our prayer team at the front after every service, and they will encourage you um, and, and pray with you about the things that are going on in your life. As you go today, may you go to allow Jesus to teach you how to pray in these coming days. In the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen and amen. Grace and peace to you. We'll see you next week.